0: Hello and welcome to the Williamsburg Unitarian Universalists. We are a vibrant liberal religious community that treasures diversity, practices justice, and teaches love and respect for everyone. We grow spiritually through worship, shared learning and service, and relationships that go deep. As we say each Sunday, whoever you are, whomever you love, Whatever your image of the holy, your presence here is a gift. All are worthy, all are welcome.
1: Good morning. I'm David Hopkinson, your worship associate today. And it's my pleasure to welcome you to the Williamsburg Unitarian Universalist online worship service. Uh, Our greeter today is Phoebe Kent. Our other worship leaders today are our minister, Reverend Laura Horton Ludwig, our Director of Religious Education, Austin Peterson, and our guest musician, uh, Paulette Amory. Welcome back, Paulette. I'd like you to follow along with the order, if you'd like to follow along with the order of service, I invite you to visit wuu.org to download a copy. If you're visiting today, Uh, We're glad you're here. We invite you to stay and to to say hi by typing a quick note into the Zoom chat. And if you'd like to sign up for our email list, please fill out our online visitor form at wuu.org. Now I invite you to sing along with our opening hymn today, Circle Round for Freedom. Again, welcome. We are happy that you have joined us via live stream, audio, or video, or Zoom. Whether you have come seeking comfort, encouragement, or inspiration, you belong here. You are seen here, even if we cannot see you physically. Now I invite you to join me in saying our welcoming words Please, as you say these words, speak them uh, as if to each other, and know that we are connected across the distance. The words are pasted into the Zoom chat. Let let us let's say them in unison as best we can. Folks on Zoom, we will unmute all of you so that you can hear each other. And um wherever you are,
2: wherever you are, wherever you are. Present here is a All are worthy. Are worthy. All, All are welcome.
0: And we open with these words with by the Reverend Angela Herrera. Don't leave your broken heart at the door. Bring it to the altar of life. Don't leave your anger behind. It has high standards and the world needs vision. Bring them with you and your joy and your passion. Bring your loving and your courage and your conviction. Bring your need for healing and your powers to heal. There is work to do and you have all that you need to do it right here. Come, let us worship together.
1: Now, please join me in saying the words to light our chalice. If you have a chalice or a candle handy nearby, please go ahead and light it now as we spotlight uh, Luca Ben Sapaglio lighting a chalice. Again, we'll unmute you, and we'll say the words in unison. We light this Sabbath for the warmth of,
2: of, of the love, for the light of life, truth, truth, the energy of action, for the harmony of peace. peace, peace in our hearts, peace in, heart. peace in, hearts. in peace our, our community, peace in
3: our world, Wonderful. Good job, Luca. Thank you so much. Oh, and I see you have a question about uh, the book. So maybe if you want to share the title, we would love to know what book you've chosen. I have a story today from ancient Egypt. And so I would like us to travel in time. So let's get our time travel music together. <laughs> ha ha, we're in ancient Egypt. This behind me is the temple of Isis. And you're about to learn why Isis deserves her very own temple. Once upon a time, there was Geb, the sky god, and Newt, the earth goddess. And from them came four children, Osiris, Isis, Set, and Nephthys. Osiris was the oldest, and so he became king of all Egypt, and he married his sister Isis. Osiris was a good king, and he commanded the respect of all who lived on earth and the gods who dwelled in the netherworld. However, Set was always jealous of Osiris because he didn't command really any respect from those on earth or anybody in the netherworld. So one day, evil Set transformed himself into a vicious, horrible monster. And he put Set into a coffin that he lined with lead and then threw him into the river Nile so that nobody could find him. But Isis, wonderful Isis went and found her husband and took him out of the coffin and put him back on the throne. And this enraged Set so much that he turned himself into an even more horrible monster. And he went and he chopped Osiris into so many pieces. And then he took all the pieces and he threw them all over Egypt. A hand here, a nose there, just everything all over the place. And Isis was horrified very upset and she just wept and wept and wept. But with Osiris dead, Set became king of Egypt with his sister Nephthys as his wife. Nephthys, however, felt very sorry for her sister Isis because she was just crying endlessly over her lost husband. Isis had great magical powers and she decided to find all of her husband's pieces and she brought him back to life with the help of Nephthys and she put all the pieces back together and she breathed the breath of life into Osiris and he became kind of alive in a godlike sort of way for just long enough for her to become pregnant. And she had a child and that child's name was Horus, but Set was still on the throne of Egypt. And so with, with Set on the throne of Egypt, Isis was really very afraid for her infant godchild, And so she hid in the reeds and she raised her child there in the reeds of the river Nile. And so Horus, Horus is a hawk god. He can be, he can transform himself into a hawk. And so he became an adult eventually, after Isis raised him there in the reeds. And Horus decided that he would make a case to all the gods that he, not Set, was the rightful king of Egypt. And a long period of argument and turmoil and disorder. And there is nothing worse to Egyptians than disorder. A long period of disorder followed. And Set challenged Horus to a contest. The winner would become the king. Set, however, he didn't play fair. After several matches in which Set cheated and was the victor, Horace's mother Isis decided to help her son Set a trap for Isis, for, sorry, for Set. She snared him, but Set begged for his life and Isis had compassion for him. She let him go. When he found out that she had let his enemy live, Horace became so angry with his mother, he raged against her and he earned himself the contempt of the other gods. They decided that there would be one more match, one final match and Set would get to choose what it would be. Set decided that the final round of the contest would be a boat race. However, to make the contest a challenge, he decided, Set decided that he and Horus should race boats made of stone. The stone boats should take the throne of Egypt through an act of murder, as Set has done. Set had killed Osiris, but Horus did not kill anyone. So he was the better candidate. The sun and the stars who were Osiris's allies descended into the underworld, leaving the world in darkness. Finally, the gods agreed that Horus should claim his birthright as king of Egypt. And that's the end of that story for today.
0: Oh, thank you, Austin. Thank you for taking us to Egypt and sharing that incredible story with us. And I invite everyone now to join in a spirit of meditation, reflection, and prayer. Spirit of life, spirit of love, we sit today with that ancient story of Isis and mourn with all who have lost loved ones and cannot restore them to life. But in her story, may we also find hope and faith in our own resilience. When our spirits are torn asunder, wounded and shattered and scattered with Osiris, may we trust that loving energies will work with us to gather us back together into a new wholeness. And may we lend our own loving hands and hearts To the work of reassembling all that has been broken in our communities. For all who are weary of these pandemic times, may hope and persistence sustain us for just a while longer. And for all who mourn the ongoing scourge of violence, especially the loved ones, of George Floyd, Deontay Wright, and Micaiah Bryant. May hearts be healed and may our courage be strengthened to work until justice is real. And at this time, I would invite you to take some time for silence, to offer those meditations and prayers that are on your heart today. While we breathe together, let us be in silence. So may it be, blessed be, and amen.
2: Us together here has blessed us all today. Love has made a circle. Mountains in the rain. I've learned to love the wind. Been up before the sun.
0: Thank you, Paulette. So nice to have you here today. Well, we have a treat now. We have a practice in this congregation of folks in the congregation sharing from the heart about what this group means to them. And today I am so pleased to introduce to you Mo Brunier. Good morning. From the heart. Being a member of Williamsburg Unitarian Universalist for six years now means the world to me spiritually and physically, knowing that you have a great minister, Reverend Laura, and a loving and caring congregation that are with you spiritually and physically through the good times and bad times, and just for being able to be you, not pretending to be someone else. This means the world to me, and I am truly blessed and grateful to be part of this caring congregation.
1: Each Sunday, We make an offering from the bounty we are blessed to enjoy. We do so in a spirit of generosity and in recognition of our ongoing commitment to serve the world and to share our values. If you're joining us for the first time, please feel free to give if you wish and also know that your presence is gift enough. Our offering today goes to the General Operating Fund, which supports just about everything we do. If you'd like to give to our website, please visit wuu.org and click on the quote, give online to wuu, unquote. If you'd like to give by text, please text the dollar amount of your gift to uh, 757-500-0688 That's 757 500 0688 and follow the prompts from there. Finally, if you prefer to get by check, please mail your check to WUU 3051 Ironbound Road, Williamsburg, Virginia 23185. Thank you so much. First reading uh, today is by Joe Lillian T. Zordling, a social worker who lives in New York City growing up in poverty, works with kids, serves kids in New York City who grow up in poverty. You can see her image there. Um, Ms. Zordling says, From Starfish, I have learned that if we keep our core intact, we can regenerate. We can fall apart, lose limbs and regrow them as long as we don't let anyone threaten our central disks integrity. We can grow so many different arms, depending on what kind of sea star we are. We have, to our, we have to nourish ourselves with the resources we are surrounded by with our community assets, if you will. And by doing so, we help keep ecosystems delicately but balanced The second reading is by the Reverend Angel Cairo Williams. I hope I said that right. A contemporary Zen priest from an interview she did in 2018 on a radio program on Being with Krista Tippett. You'll hear her words in her own voice.
2: There is something dying in our society, in our culture, and there's something dying in us individually. And what is dying, I think, is the willingness to be in denial, and that is extraordinary. It's always been happening, and when it happens in enough of us, in a short enough period of time, at the same time, then you have a tipping point, and the culture begins to shift, and then. What I feel like people are at now is like, no, no, bring it on. I have to face it. We have to face it.
0: Millions of people dropped what they were doing this past Tuesday and turn on the news to wait and maybe pray. Maybe you were one of them waiting and praying as the jury prepared to deliver its verdict in the trial of Derek Chauvin. And then came the news guilty on all counts. At last, at last a police officer held accountable for taking the life of a black man. This was the decision our country desperately needed. I believe that, though it gives me no joy to know that another human being will now be locked up for years. I wish we had a better way than imprisoning people. But our country needed this. We needed accountability, we needed justice, we needed the truth of what we all saw to be recognized as reality. Three years ago, before we knew George Floyd's name, the brilliant Buddhist leader, Reverend Angel Kilda Williams, was already saying what she was seeing all around her that as a society collectively, finally we are letting go of our denial about the suffering of fellow human beings. And she said, it's time to bring it on. It's time to face it. And now, here we are in this extraordinary moment when change is possible and necessary. As so many folks have said this week, one verdict is not enough. Already in just the last few days, we've heard the harrowing story of Army Second Lieutenant Karen Nazario violently assaulted by police for the supposed crime of having temporary plates on a new car right here in Virginia. We have wept for Deontay Wright in Minnesota and for Micaiah Bryant in Ohio, both shot and killed by police. Justice demands more and better from us as a society. The broken hearts and traumatized spirits of the black community demand more and better. It is time to face it. It is time to change, to look clearly at institutions like the police and ask, are they accomplishing what we want them to? And if not, Can we imagine a better way? Change may be hard for those of us whose life experience taught us to see the institution of the police as a protector, something there to keep us safe. For some of us, that has been true, but for others, it has been a lie. As my colleague, Reverend Rosemary Bray McNatt, president of Star King School for the Ministry, wrote this week, those of us who are black, indigenous, and people of color remain targets of state violence. Even as I write, she says, there are others of us in danger from the very entities that supposedly exist to keep us safe. The time for denial is over. Here we are in this moment where change is both possible and essential. So can we all agree, as a starting point, that the goal of institutions like the police should be should be to protect all people from harm? Yes, to stop people from hurting each other, but with love, for all parties and in a spirit of peace, shouldn't that be the goal? And if we can say yes to that, the invitation and the demand of this moment is for us to, as a society, to build institutions that can actually accomplish that goal of keeping people safe from harm. If we can stay focused on that goal, It's going to help us so much to get over whatever anxiety and fear we might have about changing our institutions. Focus on the goal. And if the tactics we've been using to try to accomplish that goal are not working, let them go. Try something new. Here's where I want us to pay attention to what we heard about starfish in the reading today. Starfish, have the most extraordinary capacity to survive and regenerate. They can lose multiple limbs and be just fine as long as their core stays intact. In the reading David shared with us, social worker Joe Lillian Zwerdling points out, that the same thing is true about the mental and spiritual resilience of human beings. If we keep our core intact, she says, if we keep our core intact, we can regenerate. So imagine that core is our deepest held values. Values like our sense of care and love for one another Our belief in the inherent worth and dignity of all beings, and our desire for everyone to be safe and well. If we hold on to those core values and beliefs, we can let go of the tactics we've tried to make those core values real in the world. We can let go of those tactics that are no longer working, if indeed they ever did, just like the starfish can let go of its limbs and regrow itself in a new way. And there's another reason, I think we need this starfish analogy today. Joe Lillian Zwerling's reading, it's so different from the parable of the starfish we might be used to hearing. Maybe you know this one, it's a good story. The story goes, thousands of starfish have washed up on the beach. Someone walks along the beach picking up the starfish and throwing them back into their ocean home one by one. Another person comes along and says, there are so many starfish. Do you really think what you're doing will make a difference? And the first person, of course, answers as they toss another starfish into the water. It makes all the difference to this one. that story has often inspired me maybe you as well inspired me at least to, to keep plugging away on problems that seem so vast but today i notice in that story we never get to hear from the starfish themselves what do they want how do they want to solve their problems imagine imagine we could overlay this starfish story onto the work before us to reform and reimagine policing in our society. What if that person on the beach with their good heart and their love and their effort? What if that person on the beach is maybe just a little like one of those white saviors who come along and want to fix and save the situation for communities of color when maybe that's not what they want or need. And what if the starfish themselves were like communities of color who actually do know what they need, who are strong and resilient and capable of regenerating in so many creative and life-giving ways? What if White America could listen and follow those leaders of color who have a vision for how to move forward and reinvent the institutions that have done so much violence where there should have been healing and safety. We've got to tend to this dynamic in our own congregation as well. And I wanna close today with a story about some changes that our worship team is gonna be making on Sunday mornings and how they came, how we came to make them. You will remember, I think that after George Floyd's murder last spring, leaders at WUU felt that we had to signal our support for racial justice in ways that were highly visible So we set up a group of Black Lives Matter signs along Ironbound Road. We organized last summer a worship series of From the Heart Reflections on Racial Justice. And at that time, I also began an experiment of naming the racial and ethnic background of each writer and musician whose work we draw in in the services, including those who identify as white. And the thought behind that is, um, as many folks of color have pointed out, if we only identify someone's race when they're not white, that implies that whiteness is like a norm or a default somehow. So naming people's race and especially naming whiteness is one way to disrupt the idea that whiteness is like normal so that only deviations from whiteness need to be explicitly named and pointed out. This this tactic of naming, I felt was important to try out in our congregation. But then a few days ago, I got a call that made me think again. One of our congregants of color called me up. I'm so grateful. They called me up and let me know that for them, hearing people's racial backgrounds named over and over in the services, for them, it was uncomfortable and even harmful. From their perspective, whatever the intent, the effect was to reduce human beings who are multifaceted to just one single dimension, race. So, This led me to reach out to some other WU folks of color to ask about how how they were experiencing this practice of naming race and worship. And the folks I spoke to let me know that personally they appreciated it, it was working for them. But we also talked about how important it was to listen to feedback that was critical, especially when it came from folks with marginalized identities, those who were trying to like like we're trying to help with this practice. One of them put it as: we need to really prioritize the no. We need to stop what we're doing and try something else instead. Or in other words, keep the core values, the whole reason for doing this. Keep the core values, but change the tactics. I am so grateful to the WU's of different racial backgrounds who have shared their thoughts with me about how we can support diversity and anti-racism here in our congregation. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Based on their feedback, our worship associates team met last week to think about some new tactics. And we have some that we're gonna try now. So first of all, starting right now, we are going to add a statement at the beginning of our service each week. I'm gonna drop it into the chat so that you can take a look. And it says here at WU, we are committed to being an anti-racist, anti-oppressive congregation. We work to ensure that all people are treated with dignity, fairness, and equity. In our worship, we celebrate the contributions of people of diverse racial and ethnic backgrounds, genders, and sexual orientations. So that's a statement that you will begin to hear each week at the start of our service to let people know this is who we are, this is what we stand for. Our entire worship associates team has also adopted a set of guidelines around diversity, equity, and inclusion that we're gonna be using for all of our worship services. And I'm gonna share more about that in a blog post that's gonna be coming out in our WU News next week. But we all agree, this is really the least we can do to honor the diversity that we cherish in our congregation and in our world. These particular tactics may not last forever, their time may come and go. But like the starfish, let us hold on to the core of who we are, hold on to our deepest values of love and care, respect and an abiding commitment to justice so that all people can flourish and be abundantly well. This is our prayer, our aspiration, and our commitment. May it be so, and may we be the ones to make it so. Amen, and blessed be. And to close our time together, Here's a song about leaning on what we cherish most, even when we are tired and confused and weary. This is Peter Gabriel's song, In Your Eyes.
1: Now let us say the words to extinguish the chalice, and we invite Anybody you to uh,
2: your
1: candle. What? what? And we invite? you
2: to Okay. <laughs> The, the warm, warmth, warmth of the community, community. or the fire. We our hearts
0: until we, until we are, are, we are together, together again. And I invite you as we close to extend your hands out to one another as a sign of our connection and our community. We close with words of benediction by Eric Williams. Blessed is the path on which you travel. Blessed is the body that carries you upon it. Blessed is your heart that has heard the call. Blessed is your mind that discerns the way. Blessed is the gift you will receive by going. And truly blessed is the gift that you will become on this journey. Go in peace. Blessed be. And Amen.